0: like to begin this morning by expressing my appreciation on behalf of those of us who went to Canada for your prayers, and uh, we did arrive back home safely, as you can see, and we're thankful that you prayed for us. Uh, to give you some short, very short report, uh, during those few days we knocked about the doors of 1,500 homes, uh, we walked an average of 5 to 6 miles a day, uh, and we sowed a lot of seed. Of course, you know that when you sow seed, it does not always come up immediately. Uh, We would love to have seen large numbers attend our services, but that did not happen. Uh, But we do believe that we laid the groundwork for some good work to follow. We did go to the cities of Selkirk, uh, where Leonard said is my favorite place, Cheapside, Fisherville, Jarvis, and Hagersville, and we knocked doors in all those towns. And I appreciate and thank you for your prayers, and I am delighted to be back in the pulpit this morning. The second thing I want to mention to you before I enter into our study this morning. While I was gone, I noticed that our local McMinnville Board of Mayor and Aldermen passed on first reading an ordinance which was going to eliminate the restrictions with regards to the sale of alcohol uh, from the distance of churches and schools. I don't know any other way than to say that's just a stupid decision. But I would like for, to encourage you to do two things. I'd like to encourage you, first of all, to pray for our city leaders. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. I'd like for you to pray not for them to succeed in their wrong, but that they may learn the truth and uh, may turn from the error of their ways and do the right thing. And then I would like to encourage you to contact them whether you send them an email or you send them a letter or you pick up the phone and call them but to let them know that we as people of faith do not appreciate they're trying to do this to our children and to the churches here in our area and then when the opportunity avails itself for us to let them know by being there in person we're going to return to our study of the book of Matthew chapters 5 through 7. This area is known as the Sermon on the Mount. What a great privilege it is to be able to study with the Savior on some very important topics, things that relate to who we are and how we conduct our daily lives. And we're going to study about one this morning, which is a particular problem for me, and I would dare say probably for most of us, and that is that of worry. So by way of introduction, I want you to open your Bibles if you will to the book of Luke to chapter 10 and beginning with verse 38. Luke chapter 10 beginning with verse 38. Luke records that Jesus entered a certain village. That village was Bethany. And there Jesus met the woman by the name of Martha. And she had a sister whose name was Mary. Mary sat at the Lord's feet and heard His words. Luke says that Martha was distracted with much serving. She was disturbed because her sister Mary had left her to serve alone. And so she asked the Lord, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve her alone? Serve alone? Bid her or tell her, therefore, that she help me. And here's the way the Lord responds Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. So I ask the question, are you a Mary or are you a Martha? Are you one, for instance, who worries about all sorts of things? What is going to happen today? What is going to happen tomorrow? Where will I get this or where will I get that? How does your faith affect your anxiety? Do you really trust God for the food that you eat, for the clothes that you wear, for the home in which you live? Do you believe that God is in control of today and tomorrow? Well, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, provides for us some great instruction. In fact, I think there's a lot for us to learn there. But here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to talk about types of worry. And then we're going to talk about the teaching from this text. And then finally, some tips for improving. Let's begin now as we start and ask the question about what types of worry are there? You know, here I am. I find myself in this world, and I have to distinguish. Is what I am concerned about legitimate? Is it something that is I have a right to be concerned about? Or is it something about which I ought not be Worrying at all. You know, there is a difference between a concern, Paul would say, that which comes upon me daily, my concern for all the churches, literally my anxiety for all the churches. Should I be, to somewhat, some degree, concerned about my health? Should I be concerned about the future of this congregation? Should I have some concern about the future of our city, our county, our state, our nation? Well, let me point out to you that God does deal with our plans. And if you go to John or James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, He would say, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such city, spend a year there, and buy and sell and make a profit. I hope that you are thinking about taking care of your family. I hope you concern yourself enough to say, I need to do something today, I need to do something tomorrow that sees that my family has food to eat. You may be like this man going into a city, buying and selling and making a profit. It appears here, though, when you get to verse 14, whereas you do not know what will happen on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. You see, the problem is, is that quite frequently we concern ourselves with tomorrow and even today. And we never take the Lord into consideration. He doesn't even enter into the thoughts of our plans. And when we do that, then we're really arrogant because we think we can handle it by ourselves. He says, But now you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. You and I need to have God in our plans. Let's talk about the different types of worry that we have. A lot of people worry about the past. Let me make something very plain. The past cannot be changed. It has happened. You can't go back and erase it. You can't go back and unsay a word that you have spoken. You can't go back and undo a deed that you have done. It's there. And it will always be there. Listen to Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 14. The beginning of strife is like the releasing of water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. It's just like a man who's going to take a pitcher and he starts pouring water. Once he starts pouring, he can't stop that water. Gravity has already taken place. That's the same way when people start arguing contention and a quarrel ensues. But the best illustration, in my opinion, is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 16 and 17. You remember about Esau, how he sold his birthright for just a small portion of food. Look at verse 17. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Oh, how I wish I could go back and not sell my birthright. I'm sure that Esau probably would want to kick himself every day for the rest of his life for the choice that he made in a split socket, in a moment, in a moment of weakness. But let me tell you something. Thankfully, we can be Forgiven. I can't undo the past, but I can be forgiven of what I have said. I can be forgiven of what I have done. Isaiah 55 and verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. Let, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You see, I can come to God, I can penitently say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. And you know what? He'll forgive Every time. For Psalm 86 and verse 5, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon him or upon you. But people also worry about things of the present. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Am I going to be able to get the food on the table? Do I have enough food? Is my house clean? Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? Is the Lord going to be happy with what I put before Him? You see, here's the problem. All of us have so many little things in our lives that attract our attention. In Mark chapter 4, verse 19, talking about the types of soils... And he says the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Let me ask you a question. How much time of every day are you spending worrying about something for that day? Do many of the things that absorb our attention really matter? Do they really matter in the long run? Then people worry about the future. What is going to happen? Usually, things are not as bad as we anticipate them being, or they may not even happen at all. Let me give you a good illustration. You remember when Paul was arrested... He was taken to Caesarea, and because of what Festus was willing to do in giving Paul over to the Jews, Paul had to resort to appealing to Caesar. And so, because of that, Festus had to send him to Caesar. And so Paul's going to make a journey to Rome. And if you'll remember, when they sailed just south of the island of Crete, the waters there became very rough. In fact, a storm had blown in. And the the storm was so bad that they were throwing all the tackle overboard, all of the the cargo overboard. They were afraid they were going to die. If you get to verses 19 and 20 of Acts chapter 27, on the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days, and when no small tempted speed upon us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Here you sit, worried about what's going to happen. Will we die? How will we die? Will I drown? Will our ship be beat upon the rocks? And you drop down to verse 34. And here's what Paul says to those sailors who are on that boat. Therefore I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from your head of any of you. You see... These people believed they were going to die, but they did not they don't not only die, did not die, but not a hair on their head was lost. You see, sometimes we're worried about the future when we really just don't know what the future will hold for us. And usually it's not as bad as we anticipate. Well, now for a few moments, I'd like you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter six. Let's begin with verse 25 and go through verse 34. What a powerful text with the teachings that are found therein. Verse 25 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food, and the body, more than clothing. Now I want to draw attention to a word here. Sometimes we have the word life, which talks about the life force within us. And sometimes the word life talks about the soul of man, like the song we sing where the soul never dies. And the word suke or psyche is that word which talks about the soul. You know, for instance, Matthew 16, verse 26, Fear not him who is able to destroy uh, the body, but after that he can do nothing more. But fear him who is able to destroy both the body and the soul in hell. That's Matthew 10. Matthew sixteen twenty six is what would a man be profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? That's the same word here. Is not your life more than food? Isn't your soul more important than anything else? God is the giver and the sustainer of life. I thought it was interesting Larry mentioned that in our announcements. Acts 17, 24 and 25, when he's speaking to those Athenians there, he says to them in verse 25, That as though He needed anything, since He gives to all life and breath and all things. God is the giver. Not the taker. Not the receiver. He's the giver. Psalm 54 4 says, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. Let's look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not much more value than they? Now, birds are great teachers. Birds can teach us a lot of things. Listen to Job in Job thirty-five, eleven. Who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth? And who makes us wiser than the birds of the heavens? You look at the animal kingdom. You look at the fowls of the air. And they teach us something. Psalm 147 verse 9. He gives to the beast its food and to the young ravens that cry. God feeds them. You see the little squirrel that comes up and grabs that little acorn in his paws and Eats that you know who gave him the acorn? God gave him the oak tree that gave him the acorn that lets him eat. You know the grain that grows, the birds of the air, they fly and they eat that grain and they sustain their lives. God's the giver and the provider. But what about us? If God takes care of the birds, he takes care of the beasts, doesn't he take care of us? The crown of his creation? Job chapter 12, verses 7 through 10 says, But now ask the beast, and they will teach you. The birds of the air, and they will tell you. Speak to the earth, and it will teach you. And the fish of the sea will explain to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? And whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? Then he moves to verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Worry is useless. Doesn't do any good at all. Doesn't help us in one way or another. And in fact, it can't produce anything. The word that is translated stature here is sometimes used of the word age. You know, a person's 10 years old, 20 years old. So that's the reason why some translations can add one measure to his life. But it doesn't matter really which translation is the one because the meaning is exactly the same. I can't make myself taller by worrying about it. I can't make myself live longer by worrying about it. In fact, worry can shorten my life. So look now at verses 28 through 30. It was such a beautiful passage, such poetic form. So, why are you worrying about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet, I say unto you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will He not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Like the birds, the flowers can also teach with their beauty. David in Psalm chapter 19 and verse 1 looked at the creation of God. Obviously, he was looking up because he said... The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. When Paul spoke so majestically in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, he says the eternal nature of Godhead, His divinity is being seen through the things that are made. You see, God's glory shows to us that God cares for His creation. If something that is so insignificant as to become fuel for the fire, that God cares about that, what about us? Will He not much more clothe you? And then He appends to that, Oh, you of little faith. It's faithless not to trust God. Let's look at verses 32 and 31, and 32. Therefore, do not worry, saying, "What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear?" For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. It's a characteristic of godless people to be only concerned about material things. We see in our world today, it's, it's so prevalent. Everybody seems to be so focused on the material things that they can get in this life. But it's always been that way, folks. You go back to the time in which our Lord was teaching on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, And he multiplied loaves and fishes so everybody could be fed. And notice the response in John 6, verses 26 and 27. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, not because you saw the signs, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for food that perishes, but food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of God will give you because God the Father has set His seal upon Him. Some people only want the loaves and the fishes. Not a week goes by. I can't think of a week that has gone by when there has not been at least one call to the church building to say, can you help us out with some sort of need? When we explain to people that we help them with food, quite frequently, when we get down to the "Is would you like to have a Bible correspondence course, many will say, no, I'm not interested in that kind of food. I only want the groceries you're going to give me. Not everybody, but many do because they're only interested in, In the here and the now, not the coming future. And you see, Jesus said, God knows your needs. You go back earlier in this chapter, and he was speaking about our prayers, and he says, Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Does God know what Tony needs today? Most certainly he does. And God knows what you need. But God wants me to ask him for that. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who uh, asks receives. And he that knocks to him it will be opened. Let's look now at the last two verses in this text. Verses 33 and 34. But seek first the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus offers two solutions here. Very important to see them in their context. He's talking about don't worry about this, don't worry about that. And then he gets to the conclusion of this lesson and he says, first of all, seek first the kingdom. Put the spiritual things, the godly things, the holy things first. Everything else will fall in place. God will provide. You put God first, God will put you first. Tonight we're going to be studying from the book of Haggai and we're going to see people who are earning money and putting it into a bag that has holes in it. People who do not put God first do not progress. They're not satisfied. second thing he says, live one day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Today has enough problems. Deal with today. Our problem is is that we're always so focused on what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, next year that we fail to take care of today's difficulties. This fourth part or third part of this lesson third point was for me. You know, as I'm preparing lessons and I know that I have to be careful that I don't worry, I always need something that says, here's the way to handle it. And I want to go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 because to me this takes what Jesus said and summarizes it and amplifies it. And here's what Paul wrote to the Philippians. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that your requests be made known to God. very first thing is prayer. Am I concerned about the direction that a lot of things are going in our country? Absolutely. Am I concerned about things that are here locally. You better believe it. Do some of these things consume my mind? Yes. But folks, the reason why I suggested that we pray for our leaders, not only is that what First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and following says, but because I know that's what the rest of the Bible teaches. Let me give you a good illustration. In Isaiah 37 the Assyrian Empire was breathing down heavily upon Judah, Jerusalem specifically. And they used threats and intimidation to try to scare people into going ahead and folding up and giving in to start with. And the ruler, Hezekiah, got a letter. And to paraphrase the letter is, you can't win, just go ahead and give up. And I get to verses 14-16 through 16, and Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed to the Lord saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, one who dwells between the cherubim, you God, you alone, of all the kings of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Hezekiah recognized God had the power. Drop down to verse 20. Now therefore, O Lord, our God, save us from his hand, that the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord, you alone. When we have problems, what do we do first? Do we try to solve them ourselves, or do we, like Hezekiah, spread it out before the Lord? And By the way, God answered Hezekiah's prayer. Second thing he says, with thanksgiving. Here's a problem that I have, and I would assume that most of us have. Is that when I start worrying about something else, I am failing to think about what I already have. How much God has blessed us. And then it seems almost ungrateful for us to express the things that we are anxious for it really has a way of putting things in a proper perspective for us it helps us to see you know God is really taking care of me I've had food to eat I've had clothes to wear I've had family that loves me God has really really blessed me Request to God. You know, one of the things that Jesus taught in this same chapter was back in verse 13. The model prayer that you pray in Matthew 6 and verse 13, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Worry is something that we're tempted to do. God, help me, please, not to worry. Not to be concerned about things that I cannot change that are in the past, the things that are unimportant in my present, nor the things that I even anticipate in my future. Help me learn to put my faith and confidence in you. It's hard not to be materialistic in a modern society. It's really hard when you sit down and you turn on your television, maybe even to watch the news, and immediately there's commercial after commercial. That, you need to buy this. You better buy it now. It's going to go off sale if you don't buy it today. You need this. You need that. If you don't stay up, you don't stay current, you're, you're going to lose out. And we focus our lives on what we're eating, what we're wearing, where we're living, rather than on our spiritual future. We need to learn to trust God. And that's real hard to learn to trust someone else. To put our confidence in them. In Acts 27, verse 25, you know that shipwreck? Paul said, Therefore take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. Yeah, that's really the way it is. Mark 9, verse 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me to learn to trust God more. And God will provide. Please take your song books now. We're going to sing this song of encouragement. And it is to encourage those who are not yet Christians to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you believe that He is God's Son and you're willing to repent of your sins, confess your faith in Him, we'll baptize you this morning. In fact, just in a few minutes. Everything is ready for you. If you are a Christian and there's something in your past that you're carrying that burden with you and you know that you need to make correction, you can put that behind you knowing it is forgiven. Would you come while we stand and sing?